did you guys see the news maybe about a week ago about uh, another U.S. victory in the, well, it's not the world championships and winter sports type stuff? Did you see this? I don't think it makes as big of the news as like in our basketball. You know, we get, it's, it's selection Sunday and Syracuse is out. John, I'm sorry, we're, we're not going to make it, I don't think. Um, I'm just letting you know, 10 and 10 isn't going to do it. But, but, but in cross-country skiing, right, Jesse Diggins won the gold medal. It was the first ever gold medal in cross-country event uh, skiing. Now, that's a hard kind of an endurance event. It was the first ever gold medal for an Olympic, for a U.S. athlete, uh, first one um, in the world championships. That's pretty exciting to me. Um, Usually it's Norway and Sweden and the ones that always win. But, I mean, she said she left it all out there. Like, in the interview that I was listening to, she was like, I was there, my body was in pain, I was hurting, I just, but I just said, this is it. This is my moment. This is my chance. It's all or nothing. I'm putting it all on the line. I'm going the distance. She didn't want to have any regrets. She didn't want to hold anything back. In our scripture today, we're going to see something that should inspire us about laying it all out there, going the distance, not holding anything back for the Lord. So let's pray and ask God to speak speak to us and guide us. Father, thank you so much for your word today and how it does speak to us. Lord, we ask that you would teach us what it is to have eyes of faith, eyes that see things as you see them from your perspective. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, you can always get the one that's right in front of you in the Pew Bible. Uh, Mark chapter 12. Let's see how fast I can get there. Um, And I'll even give a page number. Mark chapter 12. Look on a page 718 or so. Oh, look, there we go. Now the the slides are up. Uh, Mark chapter 12, 718, uh, if you're in the Pew Bibles. But you can also look up on the screen. We'll have it up there for you. So let's look at Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 41. Beginning with verse 41. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Now many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others into the treasury. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had to live on. There it is. Literally putting it all out there. This widow, her last bit of financial resources, the smallest amount that she could, but it was everything she had to live on, she left it in the offering plates. Now there's a little bit of of context here. So the temple in Jerusalem was magnificent. The temple in Jerusalem uh, was the place, the center of God's people to experience God's presence. They came with their offerings. They came on the high holy days. And those with money? came with their offerings. Everybody gave something. Everybody was required to pay the temple tax. Everybody had their duty to help the temple worship keep going. 
but you were welcome to give free will offerings. Offerings that some would help the poor, but some would help just to create the, exa- the, the extravagance, the exuberance, the, the glorification of God through utilizing the financial wealth. And some of the people, especially the rich people, like to make sure everybody knew just how much they gave and put in these boxes that actually had little trumpets with them. And it's hard to know whether the money went through the trumpet or, or they would sound a little trumpet and they'd put the money in the boxes. But it's just to let everybody know, <clears throat> I'm giving a good bit of money today. All for the glory of God, by the way. Make sure you know it. Today we're talking about eyes of faith. Eyes that see as God sees the situation. Eyes that recognize what's really going on. And in this story, we can see how Jesus had eyes of faith and how we're called to have eyes of faith. Because eyes that are eyes that see things like God sees them, well, they actually see the genuine concerns of people's hearts. What's really going on in their motivations. The eyes of faith see really whether people are trying to please God or are they trying to look good for others. Let's look again at the, at the story. What does it say? Verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting money into the temple treasury. Are some of you guys people watchers? You know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe it's in the summer and you go to Ocean City, right? And you're watching the people with their kids and and you're seeing what they're buying. Oh, that one's got the ice cream. And oh, that one's got a t-shirt. Or oh, that one's got a swimsuit that, boy, he should have gone to the gym a little bit more (laughs) before he... uh, But are you people watchers? Do you go to the mall, right? And you just see, what are the latest fashions? My optic drip here. Uh, uh, Did you figure out the latest fashion? Do you see how people are interacting socially? Do you just enjoy sort of watching the crowds? What's going on? Apparently, Jesus was doing a bit of crowd watching here. Jesus was sitting, not teaching, not calling people to a greater knowledge of God, um, not, not doing healings or miraculous signs. He wasn't driving out the money changers at this point, which we do see him do. But here, Jesus was watching. And it's interesting that he was watching where the money was being placed, uh, that, where, where they were putting in their offerings. What can we learn about that? Well, he had eyes of faith to see what we're doing. I wonder what the people would have done had they known God was watching. Would the rich have gone, oh, wait. Actually, I brought an extra bag of gold. You know, would the rich have tried to show off even more? Would others have kind of slinked away and said, oh, I don't have that much to give. Maybe my offerings aren't really worthy. Maybe they aren't really what God would want. I had an opportunity this week. I I was in Texas. I had to go and went to a place where, um, well, honestly, it was an honoring of benefactors is what it was. And it was a fundraising dinner with a lot of people who had given large sums of money and people who were being honored. And it wasn't me, by the way. I wasn't the large sum of given. They were able to invite some guests, and I was one of these people who had been invited, and I didn't really think it was all that important. But I went. And boy, I could tell they didn't mention who gave how much, 
at this event. They didn't tell how much money was given, but you could kind of tell. You could tell by the watch that might, I, mean, that, that I thought, well, that's a nice looking watch. I don't know how much watches cost, but I think this one costs more than I make. Um, uh, you could tell by the cut of the dress. You could tell by the, the, the cut of the suit. You could tell by that the, some of the people in the room had a lot of wealth. Was that what was to be impressive? What, what was the, the donors, the amount? Was, was what was given so that you could have a portrait put on a wall or, or to have your name read, read, uh, placed on a plaque? What was done for the glory of God and what was done for our own glory? What would we do if we really thought with our lives, Jesus is watching? Not just about money, but how we spend our time and our energies. In Jeremiah, God says this, Am I a God only, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and I'm not a God far away? Who can hide in the secret places that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. Some of the people had gone into exile. They were away from the temple of God, and they begin to think, does God even see me? Does God even care? Does what I do even matters? No, God sees. God sees. He saw in verse 41 that the many rich people had put in large amounts. They had put in a great deal. They had done things, well, quite honestly, for show. So that others would see them. You back up in chapter 12 in the same context right before this event. Jesus has some things to teach us, and he says, watch out. Watch out. Watch out for the teachers of the law, these people who are supposed to know so much about what God wanted, these ones who were explaining to others what God would have them to do. Watch out for them. Why? Well, because they love to walk around in flowing robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the important seats in the synagogue, the places of honor at the banquets. Watch out. What is Jesus talking about? Well, some of the religious teachers very much indeed had these large prayer shawls um, uh, the, the, and these flowing type robes that had large tassels to help them remember and sp so to signify the law of God. But you know, you can get fancier robes. Everybody could have a prayer shawl, but yours could look especially nice. Everybody could have robes, but yours could be extravagant. And so there's a, look at how holy I am. Look at how much I'm trying to keep God's law. I've, I have pretty wide tassels at the end of my robe. I really make sure I remember all of God's laws. And it was all for show. He said they love to be greeted with respect at the marketplaces. Oh, we can fall into that trap, right? To seem like we're important, to seem like it's something to do. I spent time as a chaplain at a university. You all know that a lot. I mentioned Syracuse already today. They're not going to make the tournament, John. We all, we, we know, you know, we're, we're all depressed. Okay. When I was there, one of the roles of the chaplains is you would get invited to pray at these meals. Oh, they were meals for donors. They were meals for trustees. They were meals for deans. And and then you would come and, and oh, oh. You have to come. You had no purpose to be there. You weren't a donor. You weren't one of the trustees. You weren't one of the major faculty members. You weren't getting some award, but they were having a dinner, and you got to have somebody bless the meal. And so you would call in a chaplain, and okay, and they would always say, "Hey, don't make this too long, right? Let them meal. Oh, we, we want to get on with it. We got a, we got a big program here." And I thought, what? 
what is this for? This seems, this seems ridiculous. Why am I offering a prayer? But some of the other chaplains loved it. It was like, this is our opportunity to shine. This is our big, you know, moment in the sun. And it was like, look, they're not here for you, man. They're here for a meal. I don't know. Watch out for these things that seem to be honors, seem to be something that you would think, oh, now I've made it. Now I've achieved it. Jesus says, watch out. Watch out for them. Wanting to be greeted with respect or to have the most important seats in the synagogue. In the synagogue of Jesus' time, these were the places, not the main temple, but these were the local synagogues where everybody met to hear God's word being preached, to hear the scriptures being read, to supposedly learn and worship God on a weekly basis. There were seats all around where then the scrolls were kept up front. And right in front of the scrolls, there was a set of chairs. Right, right along here, you know, where everybody could sit there. And you could look at us. You can watch us. You, the important seats. <clears throat> when I grew up, we used to have chairs up front. Did you, did you ever remember that when they had these set of chairs? And it would be the pastor and the head deacon and, and all those guys. We've kind of done away with that. I think Jesus has something to say about that. Boy, if I could just make it up to be in one of those front seats, you know. I could make it up to one of those big chairs up in the front. I, I don't know. It seems like we should have been listening to Jesus earlier. He said we're not supposed to desire these important titles, these important roles, these places that were for everybody else to see. Because look what he describes them in verse 40. He says, they devour widows' houses. What? And for a show, make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. They devour widows' houses? How do they devour widows' houses? I mean, you can't eat houses anyway, but what do you mean devour them? Was it that they were waiting for some woman to mess up in a way, to claim her property? Some scholars believe that that's what was happening, that, oh, she's violated God's law. She has lost right and would actually take some of her property. Others thought, no, 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 it's not that. It's But they enforced and promoted economic policies that often shut people out and made it hard for the widows even to keep hold of what uh, the only resources they had left so it would be, well, dedicated to God. And for their own benefit. These men, he says, will be punished most severely or lengthy prayers. I'm glad he didn't say lengthy sermons. Lengthy sermons are apparently okay. We can have long sermons. Um, those are all right, but lengthy prayers are bad just to make sure. Now, is it just for show? Is it just to make us look good? Eyes of faith look and see the genuine intentions of our heart. Why are we here? Is it an open and honest conversation with God? Are we here to lay ourselves out before him as people who need to be redeemed, as people who needed the grace of Jesus, as people who are in love with him and want our lives to be for him? Are we here just to look good? Are we here just to look good? The Apostle Paul says it this way, Am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul was one of these. He was a Pharisee. He was a teacher of the law. He had long robes. He was out to make sure that everybody knew he was the best. In fact, he tried to put other people down, almost like he was still in middle school. You're not worshiping God at well. You're following the wrong Messiah. He was... Don't look at me, look at each other. I'm zealous more than you. 
What in the world? God got a hold of his heart. Jesus broke through, changed the man's life, and all of a sudden he says, look, I don't want to be a man pleaser. I want to be a God pleaser. I'm not trying to look good for men. I'm trying to look and only be, be um, pleasing in the sight of my king. Eyes of faith see the genuine concerns. What are really going on, the true motivations of our hearts. But eyes of faith, and don't miss this, they see the true worth of individuals. Eyes of faith see the true worth of individuals. We're talking about the worth of people, but also the worth of God himself. Let's look, look again to what Jesus did. In verse 43 in our story, it says, Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put into the treasury more than all the others. The scripture says that, that she put into, they were called lepta, or lepton for a single, lepto is the, the plural, um, that they were little Palestinian coins left over from the time of Jewish independence during the, the reign of the Maccabees uh, before the Romans came in and were like, nope, we're in charge. And so these, these coins, it says that they were worth only a fraction of a penny. That was actually, a, a, the translation was trying to help the Romans who didn't actually have lepta, and they didn't have those coins uh, because they weren't used throughout the empire. These were like leftover coins. These were like less than less. Scholars say that they were worth, two of them would be worth about between $3 and $3.50, somewhere around that. She only had a few dollars. She couldn't even get a cup of coffee at a Starbucks. I mean, three bucks, how much is that going to get you? You can't even get a bus ride for that. Three dollars, how much is that going to get you? Maybe something off the dollar value meal that I think is now a dollar fifty. But the dollar value meal, she couldn't, I mean, this was all she had, this poor widow. So often, we are quick to label. We're quick to label, aren't we? Oh, they're rich. Oh, they're poor. Oh, they're, uh, oh, they're, they, they're high achieving. Oh, this person, you know, they haven't, they haven't made much. We're quick to label. Jesus is not labeling as in to put someone down. Jesus is not labeling as in to exalt someone. Jesus was not, la but Jesus did see this lady's condition. This Jesus, who's sitting beside the offering, he saw this woman. He wasn't impressed with the show of others. He wasn't impressed with the ones who were sounding the trumpet, calling attention to their wealth, calling attention to what they thought was their achievement. But he absolutely called attention. In fact, so much so, he wanted his disciples to see this young lady, this widow, this person. Jesus saw her. He saw her and her condition. He saw that she had a need. It wasn't that she was wealthy. It wasn't that she had everything provided for. In fact, she had absolutely nothing. She did not have a husband to provide. She didn't have sons. It was a poor widow. She knew her condition. He saw her. How often do we just let people walk by on the street? How often do we see people moving through our lives at work? How often do, do we have encounters even with family members that say, oh yeah, good to see you, yeah, yeah, hey, what's up, what's going on? And we're all thinking about ourselves and our own concerns. We're moving through and we don't stop and see what's going on. Are they hurting? How quickly we are to talk about ourselves, to listen, to throw in our own stories, and we don't 
see the person. Jesus knew who she is. God sees. God sees us. He says in verse 44 that the other people gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. God knew her need. Jesus saw her. Maybe today you feel forgotten. Maybe you thought Jesus has not seen the struggles and the aches of your heart. Maybe you feel like Jesus has not been observing the, the, the problems that you've been going through. Jesus sees. He's known from the beginning. He knows you all the way through. He knows those struggles you've been going through. He knows the questions and the doubts and the concerns. Jesus sees. Not just here in church. Jesus sees. He loves you. And this woman, Jesus saw that she had eyes of faith too. I mean, she could have looked at these two coins and thought, all right, what can I do? All right, uh, can I make, can I, okay, right now, maybe I can make 4% interest if I put it in a CD. I mean, she's not thinking that. Hey, is she thinking, okay, well, this is my last meal here. This is my last little bit. This is all my treasure. This is all I've got. Uh, she didn't sit in despair. She actually saw with eyes of faith that she, this was all she had to live on. No, she echoed that Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you, God? And, and, and actually, earth has nothing I desire. Not these two coins, that's for sure. The earth has nothing I, I have. My flesh might fail. My heart might fail. But God is the strength of my heart. He's my portion forever. She saw the worth of God. She knew that God was her treasure. She knew that in God, she had all inheritance. She knew that in him was everything. Brothers and sisters, i got to be honest, as we're going through this church revitalization time, as we've been kind of seeing a church come back to life, and we're seeing some encouraging signs, as we're seeing God move in some, in some ways, <clears throat> there's often days I'm looking like, all right, it looks like we got two coins here. Now, I'm not talking about money. There's plenty of money, but it's not that. But it feels like, boy, do we have enough resources? Are there enough people doing the work? Um, is God going to move? And sometimes we can get discouraged. We can begin to think, hey, is this ever coming together? Is it ever going to happen in the way we had hoped? It, what are we going to see? What's gonna, we have to have eyes of faith. We have to have eyes that aren't looking at the church as it is now. We have to have eyes of faith that are not looking at the church as it was years ago. But we have to have eyes of faith that are saying, I am looking at what God is going to do in the future. I am investing in here because I believe of what God is going to take of my time, my, the resources he's given me, and how he wants to use and multiply those for the future. He is my portion. He is my strength. Whom have I in heaven but you? You're my portion forever. Psalm 84, it says it this way, better is one day in your courts, O Lord, than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a doorkeeper at the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I would rather have this place, I would rather have this time with you, God, than all the treasures, all the pleasures, all the things that this world promises. Sometimes I think God is just letting us go our own way. We're pursuing everything else. We're pursuing other pleasures. We're pursuing other pursuits. 
but we fail to have eyes of faith to see people, but see our, and see our God as who he is. Well, finally, this morning, I want you to see that eyes of faith see the real purpose in God's provision. God always provides. God, where he leads, he always takes care of our needs. He takes care of the birds. He takes care of the flowers. Jesus taught us that. We can look at them and know that God is taking care of us, and he will provide. But we've got to learn the purpose of that provision. The purpose is to learn to trust like that widow and to bless like Jesus. Look, all the people, it says, they gave out of their wealth, Jesus said, but she, out of her poverty, put all she had to live on. They gave out of their wealth. So often, we who are wealthy, we start seeing God's provision in our lives as security. We start seeing God's provision in our lives as our achievement. We start seeing God's provision in our lives as status. We start seeing God's provision in our lives as if it were something that is all ours and just for us. Instead of seeing God's provision. Now let's look, let's, let's look not, not necessarily what I've earned, not necessarily what belongs to me, but God's provision in my life as something that is given to me to share, given to me to honor God with, given to me to do something else with, given to me to invest in others. God promises, look at in, in uh, Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says it this way, and my God will meet every one of your needs according to his riches and glory that are in Christ Jesus. My God will meet those needs. That doesn't mean you're going to be overflowing with all kinds of riches. That doesn't mean you're going to have wealth beyond your wildest imaginations. But it does mean that you can learn to be content, that you can know his provision. What does it say in chapter 4 of Philippians? He says, I know what it is to be in need. That's Paul. I know to be how it is to be hungry, and I know what it is to have plenty. But I've learned a secret, a secret about being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength, that God would give us the endurance to see us through. I wonder how often we just miss that God has already provided and that he's called us to steward those possessions. Most of us probably don't recognize just even the wealth we have or things that are laying around that God can use, whether it's extra bits of time, whether it's the energy that he gives us, the skills, or even the finances. Have you ever gone around and rolled the pennies and quarters and stuff in your house? I remember doing that with my niece one time. I decided, oh, this is, we got to have something to entertain her. And I was like, okay, uh, we'll roll all the money, all the little change you can find around the house, and then we'll go to the store and you can buy whatever you'd like. Good plan. Kept her busy. She's counting out the little pennies. We're putting them in the little rolls. She's counting out the quarters. She's counting out the nickels, thinking, and then I start counting out, wait a second, that's $10. That's $20. Oh, we're at $40 now. $60 worth of coins. I was like, <clears throat> maybe we should split that. <laughs> maybe, maybe 10% is what you have earned today. Um, I kind of began to roll back this idea of let's go. I actually read the story back in 2015. There was a guy named Paul uh, from Indiana who um, apparently bought a truck because he needed a new truck with the coins in his house. $25 thousand dollars worth actually twenty six thousand dollars worth of coins it's the second time he did it 
Back in 1994, he did the same thing. He bought keep everything he bought, he bought in cash, and he just took all the change, and all the change he took home and put them in coffee cans. Where did he keep all the coffee cans? I'm wondering. His house had to be full. His wife, I don't know if he was married, i got to be honest. But there were coffee cans everywhere. But this guy had enough change to buy a truck twice. Sometimes we don't see God's provision for what it really is. How much has he invested in your life? Talents, abilities, musical abilities. We saw, thank you, Roy, for sharing with us. Uh, thank you for coming and visiting with us and sharing talents and abilities. Thank you, Scott, who has been leading us in music. People are saying, look, I've got these talents. Let me share. I can teach. Let me share. I can, I can invite people and friends. Let me share. I, I, God, here am I. Take all of me. I don't have two copper coins, but here's what I got. I got a heart and I got two hands. I got two feet. Lord, help me. Take all of me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we see how Paul talks about Jesus as our model in this. And it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. And that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Now, sometimes I think we miss this. Was Jesus ever wealthy? Wasn't he the son of a carpenter? Wasn't he a nomadic preacher that wandered around living off of some gifts of people? Did Jesus ever have much money? I mean, when he was born, they didn't have any room in the hotel or the inn, and he was stuck in a stable. He was literally laid in a feeding trough and wrapped in some, like, rags uh, at his birth. Jesus wasn't ever rich that we know of. When did he have lots of money? You're missing the gospel of Jesus. You're missing the good news of God. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the heir of all things. Scripture tells us that by him and for him, the universe was made. In other words, there is not a single thing in all of creation that doesn't belong to him. i got to be honest. If I was that wealthy... I think I'd make a beach full of, or a planet full of beaches, all for me. I, I wouldn't want anybody else messing around with my beaches. I, I wouldn't want anybody else littering up my, my beauty. I, he could have everything belongs to him, and yet he humbled himself, became limited himself, took off, it says, the scripture says, that he became as man, humbling himself, and even became obedient to God, to, even to death, death on a cross. He literally bankrupted himself, giving up all of heaven, all of his status, so that he might die in our place, paying the penalty for our sins, that we might have forgiveness and have the riches of heaven put into our account, the righteousness of Christ put into our account, the inheritance of, of creation put into our account, eternity with God, with God being our Father, put into our account. Can you imagine, wow, God, how good you are. Jesus bankrupted himself. Jesus became poor so that we, through his poverty and sacrifice, we might be rich, we might be forgiven and be God's children forever. He is our model. And so Paul also says in 2 Corinthians that he was living out that faith saying, look, we were known yet regarded as unknown. We were dying yet we live on, beaten yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing poor, yet making others rich, having nothing, 
yet possessing everything. For those of you who have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, would you respond to this Savior? Would you respond to this King of glory? Would you respond to this one who not only died, but rose again to take that right hand at the Father who is offering you that place next to him, that place in eternity? Would you say, yes, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. For those of you who are believers, how have you been living? Has it been, you know, kind of look good for everybody else? Or has your life been, Lord, take all of me. Lord, use whatever I have for your kingdom. Lord, take whatever you have given me and use it to bless others. Paul tells us, command those who are rich in this world not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly gives us everything for enjoyment. He's given us this church, this ministry, these relationships, and all the other blessings that he's put into our life for our enjoyment, yeah, but to be rich in good deeds as we bless others. How do you need to respond today? Is there some sin or some struggle in your life? Do you need to come to the altar? Do you need to come and pray with someone? I will be here. David's going to come up front. Barry's going to be here. Um, if you need to come and pray with one of us, we'd be happy to pray with you. Do you need to give your life to Jesus today? Maybe you're a young man, young woman, and you're just saying yes to Jesus. Maybe you've been here for your whole life, but you just need to say yes to what God has for you. Would you respond as Jesus calls you? Scott is going to come and lead us in a song about surrendering everything, about giving it all to Jesus. You respond as God is calling you. Let us pray. Father, I do ask that you would continue to remind us uh, of, of the gifts that you poured in our lives. Let them be all for you. Lord, let us not be those who shrink away or shrink back, but continue to lay out everything, uh, leaving it all, leaving nothing back, holding nothing back, but giving it all to you. We pray this because your son Jesus gave all for us. And we pray in his name. Amen.